This morning we get to continue our journey through the book of Acts, and if you're following along, and I sure hope everybody is reading along, I hope you've read the passages before we talk about them, but you know, you start out in the book of Acts, and Peter is kind of the central character. John is with him, but Peter really seems to take, you know, the, the, as far as human characters, of course, it's all about the work of the Holy Spirit, but we see Peter working, and then we see Philip come along, and, and, and Luke tells about Philip's work, and then it brings in Saul's conversion, and it tells about God working in the heart of Saul and that change, and in the middle of that, Last week, Pastor John brought you the message on that superhero of the scripture, Barnabas. And when, when Pastor John was preaching on that, I thought, what a great way to introduce or the way he did Barnabas. If you didn't see that message, I'm going to encourage you to go back. We put those online, their video, they're there for a reason. It's so that you can come back and be part of what God's doing through the whole church. As we bring the messages, it is a message for the church, and we want to see all of our members hear the Word of God. But Barnabas is just this wonderful character in Scripture. I once wrote an essay for an English class called The Perfect Example, and it was Barnabas. And just that whole message in Pastor John, he put together that story of Barnabas from his introduction to where really Paul and Barnabas split over a disagreement and, and that relationship. Go back, if you didn't watch it, I want to just encourage you again, go back and, and look at that message because it is a wonderful example for us to be the encourager in everyone's life. This morning, Acts takes a little step back to Peter. You know, we went from Peter, Philip, Saul. Now it's bringing in Peter. Because remember, all these things are happening at the same time. It's not necessarily a chronological order. These are great things that God is doing in that first church. So we're going to go back and look at Acts chapter 9, and we're going to finish up the chapter this morning looking at uh, Peter's work or what God is doing through Peter. So Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Leda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Leda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. 
When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him weeping, showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Heavenly Father, we've read together your word, and I just ask that you speak to each and every heart here through your word. Give us the lessons that we need to learn. Show us the things that we need to do. Give us the faith to follow through, to take and put into action what you show us this morning. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning I titled the, the passage out, uh, you know, directly from the, or the sermon, directly from the passage, Many Believed. I was kind of wrestling, what do you call it? I mean, when, when you've got these miracles happening, the other title I almost named it was The Purpose of Miracles. You know, why do miracles happen? And if you really think about these miracles, think about them in the context of in their historical context, in the context of the church and what's happening there. We were just reading earlier in the passage about the work of of, uh, Saul, or the conversion of Saul, the work of Barnabas to help Saul get started. But the church, in verse 31, it says, "...the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, Walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. That's a wonderful word. That's one of my favorite words. That's one of my favorite words when it comes to church, uh, discipleship, um, anything dealing with the Christian faith. It really should be a multiplicative, boy, that's a tough word this morning, multiplicative effect. It shouldn't be one person leads one person. It should be one person leads multiple people, and each of those lead multiple people. That's how the church is to work. And I just love that. It's multiplying all over the place. Um, How are the disciples supposed to handle this? It's an explosive movement. Remember on the day of Pentecost, it grew 25 times in one day? It didn't just stop there. It kept growing. It kept growing. It kept growing. So Peter, he's traveling around to these scattered congregations, and he's teaching them, and he's building them up, and he's helping those individual congregations in those other towns get established. Now we do not, or we, and we see that, that's very clear in verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came also to the saints who lived at Leda. So we see that he's traveling here and there. He's moving around and he's building up uh, as one who walked with Jesus. He's passing along the teaching. 
We don't know the exact timeline. We don't know exactly where this fits in the conversion of Saul and what's happened. We do know that in chapter 9, there's at least a three-year gap. And a lot of people, you don't start putting that together. There's at least a three-year gap. And you read about this in the book of Galatians. When Paul is writing the church, he says, when he's talking about right after his conversion, Galatians chapter 1, about halfway through verse 16, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days, but I saw no one of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So we know when... when when um good grief i froze on your name pastor john (laughs) he's sitting right there when pastor john was sharing about barnabas last week we know that there's this gap that had happened that it's a time that that uh, people were hearing about paul and, and we know that just in that so we don't know the exact places where all of this fits together What we do know is that Peter was having to travel, and in his travels, he went to Leda. He's doing his teaching. He's doing the training. He's building up the church. He's helping them get established. And then what happens while he's there? Verse 33, there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise, make your bed, and immediately he rose. Peter's traveling around. He sees this paralyzed guy. This doesn't say he's a believer. I think he probably is, but that's an opinion. And since I'm sharing my opinion like okay that counts (laughs) we don't really know his spiritual condition for sure i think he's a believer but the bible doesn't say he is what we do know is that peter said jesus christ heals you now get up and what did he do he got up (laughs) that's it oh That's the details. God doesn't provide us a lot of extra detail in there. He is healed from being paralyzed. But why? Why was this guy healed? What about all the other believers? Well, we read in verse 35... And all the residents of Leda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Did they hear about it? Well, I'm sure they did. <laughs> but what does this actually say? They saw him. That dude has been in bed for eight years, and now he's walking down the streets. He's walking around, he's talking to big people. They say, hey, man, your twin brother's paralyzed. No, man, that's me. I'm the guy. 
That's kind of hard. When, when we, even now when we experience miracles, even when we read about them in the Bible, sometimes it's hard to take it in. But we see it. And what was God's purpose in that? That the people turned to the Lord. That was God's purpose. That's what he wanted to see. God did a miracle so that people were going to be turning to God. And awesome things are happening in this area. See, it names two towns that are there. And it's awesome. Now, not only does Peter have to teach and train the disciples that were already there, the people, the believers that were already there, he's got a bunch of new believers. Here's another place with a whole bunch of new believers. The church is multiplying and, and, and God's doing awesome things. And here he is, he's working away. That's this awesome ministry, this great healing has taken place. And guys show up and say, Peter, you need to leave this place and go down to Joppa. Well, Peter's in Lida. He was called to go down to Joppa by these two guys. Why would Peter get called away from such a wonderful ministry? I can't go now. Look at what's all this. We got all these new believers. Man, God just healed this guy. All these great things are happening. I can't go now. It doesn't say that's what Peter said. What we read in verse 36, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, and she was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Leda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. Tabitha died. She was a great servant in the church. And why? Why did they call for Peter? What, what were they expecting from Peter? You know, you know, that's one of those questions that, that as I was reading it again this week, I thought they heard Peter was there, but why was it they sent for Peter? What, what was going on in their heads? What was going on in their minds? Why, did they, why were they looking to Peter? Was he just the pastor and they needed pastoral care? Was he the apostle? You know, what, what's going on in their heads? We don't actually know. We don't know. Say, the Bible doesn't say they called for Peter so that he would raise her from the dead. They did, it, the Bible doesn't say they called for Peter so that he could comfort them. It doesn't say why, Pete, why they called for him. He's a leader in the church. They're hurting and they call for him. We don't know why. But what we do know, so Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made. 
while she was with them. Peter walks into a very sad situation. It's, it's the funeral. They're holding the funeral service. And all these ladies are standing around. These are the widows that Dorcas was taking care of. And they're crying. They had just lost their friend and they're hurting. And they're telling Peter about all these wonderful things. Look at what she made for me. Look at this jacket. Look at this shirt. And they're sitting at the funeral or standing at the, excuse me, yeah, it says they were standing. They're, they're standing at the funeral, crying and hurting over the loss of their friend. Telling what wonderful things this woman had done as a follower of Jesus Christ. So Peter does the most logical thing there is. He kicks them out of the room. Now can you imagine, picture this. You're at a funeral. The preacher shows up and says, everybody out. Now, I mean, I'm sure it didn't happen that way. We, I, in the sadness, you kind of want to have some humor to break kind of the feeling, but maybe they thought Peter just wanted some time alone. I remember when my mom passed, each one of us took a little time just to go in and to have a goodbye. You know, so maybe they're thinking this. We don't know. What we do know is that Peter sends everybody out of the room. In verse 40, but Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Peter kicks everybody out of the room. And what does he do? Peter gets down on his knees. He's beside the bed of a dead person. And he just starts praying. It never says God told him to say this. We, we don't know. What we do know is the Holy Spirit was working through Peter. We know that God's working mightily through him. And he turns to Tabitha and says, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive that's what happened Peter turns Tabitha arise she gets up Peter takes her out of the room apparently and everybody's out there and he presents her to the whole church alive Notice how it says saints and widows. I don't think it's saying the widows weren't necessarily saints, that they weren't believers. I think it's because they were especially affected. So I think it's an emphasis on God's caring for them. But here it is, this miraculous thing that happened where Peter presents this lady who was dead, who walked in on their funeral, and she is alive. But of all the believers who died, why did God raise up Dorcas? Why Dorcas? 
Why, Tabitha, you're telling me there weren't other people who did good things? We know other people did good things in the church. I mean, that, that's why they had the first deacons, the first seven men that were chosen as servants. They took care of widows. That's what Philip was. There, there were other people doing good things. Why Dorcas? What was God's purpose? You know, God didn't raise up Stephen, the first martyr. When they're standing out there, they're throwing rocks at Stephen and he dies. God just welcomes him home. Time's up. Come on home, buddy. Come on. I'm ready for you. And Stephen was ready to go. But it said there was a different situation. That God was doing something different. God does all things for purpose. Everything is for a purpose. God can take the worst and turn it into something good. He can take someone that feels dead on the inside and make them alive. In fact, Scripture says we are all dead in our trespasses and sin. Every born-again believer in Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. You have been taken spiritually dead and made spiritually alive. So if you are a believer, you have been raised from the dead. You have been transformed. But sometimes in this old world, we feel like things just can't get worse. And then they usually do. You know what I'm talking about. You just think, what else can go wrong? My wife tells me, never ask that question. Because every time I ask, what else can go wrong? Something does. But you know what? God's still working. He has a purpose. What was God's purpose in raising Dorcas? And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. That's where that title of today's message came from, Many Believed. And that was God's purpose. You know, Jesus said that God knows what would happen in different circumstances. God knows what will happen. God knows what did happen. God knows why it happened. God knows what would have happened in different circumstances. God knows what would happen in different circumstances in the future. And there's a purpose to it even when we don't see it. I'm sure those widows standing there crying did not understand, saying, God, why did Dorcas die? And if you had told them why, (laughs) that, that God was going to raise her from the dead, they probably wouldn't have believed them. But God was working something so that people, he was drawing people to himself. God's purpose in both of these miraculous events was to draw people to himself. That was the purpose. And so here's another great miracle that's happened. What does Peter do? Well, wow, they're in a place with a whole bunch of new believers. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon the Tanner. 
okay, he's got a bunch more teaching he's got to do. He stayed there. He's, he, he continues to work. He was called from one place to another. He's been building up one church. He needs to go build up another. He's staying there. He's continuing to work. And God is working. And he, Peter is just following God's purpose for his life. We don't know what else happened to Dorcas. We don't know when she passed away. We don't know when she finally stood before God. We don't know what happened to the widows that were in the room. There's all these characters in the story. We don't know. What we're told is how God's working through it for His purpose to draw people to Himself. But then we come down, okay, we read it. We're supposed to live out the Bible. You're supposed to be doers of the word, not hearers only. How do you apply this, the application to our lives? What is God trying to say to us? 